Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Amanda Peters is the author of The Berry Pickers, a novel, which since this episode was recorded, became a Barnes & Noble Discover pick for the best book. Amanda Peters is a writer of Megawa and Settler Ancestry, who obtained her certificate in creative writing from the University of Toronto in 2016, and a master's of fine arts and creative writing from the Institute of American Indian Arts. She is the winner of the 2021 Indigenous Voices Award for Unpublished Prose and was chosen by Katerina Vermette to participate in the 2021 Writers' Trust of Canada Rising Stars program. Her fiction has appeared in the Antigonish Review, Grain Magazine, the Alaska Quarterly Review, the Dalhousie Review, and the Filling Station Magazine. She lives and writes in the Annapolis Valley, Nova Scotia, with her fur babies, Holly and Pook. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Berry Pickers, a novel. Thank you. (laughs) I just got my books yesterday. Oh, let's see. Oh, they're so beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yes, they're gorgeous. Wow. Gorgeous cover. For those who are listening, it's like a close-up of a blueberry bush plant, whatever you want to call it, and looks just so immersive and amazing. I've actually been to Maine twice since I got this arc and since I've talked to you. So (laughs) I literally held the book up to my husband last night. I was like, guess where this book takes place? And he was like, 
Maine. (laughs) (laughs) We never would have known had we not gone. Tell listeners what The Berry Pickers is about. The Berry Pickers is a book about a Mi'kmaq family. So that's the Indigenous peoples of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, the Atlantic Canadian area, who go to Maine every summer to pick blueberries. And while they're there in the summer of 1962, their youngest daughter, Ruthie, goes missing. So then the novel is a dual narrative told from Joe, who is the brother who's six and is the last person to see Ruthie. And it follows his life. And then it's told from the perspective also of Norma, who is a young girl being raised in a affluent family in Maine. The mom's pain when Ruthie goes missing was like tough to even read. I mean, not really. I mean, it was just like, I felt that so deeply. Like, and especially when the other women were like, yeah, you know, it's so hard to lose a child or a mat, you know, they were all kind of talking about her. And she was just like, when she had to leave and go back to Nova Scotia and it was like the howls and the like, oh my gosh, or whatever it was. I I don't know. I felt that so deeply. It really resonated. Oh, good. I'm so happy when people have a a visceral reaction to something I write. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's like the whole goal, right? Getting other people to feel deeply. Well, I felt very deeply. So (laughs) (laughs) I also felt really badly for Joe. I mean, oh my gosh. And and then you just see the the lasting impact of one action and, and how it can just reverberate through an entire life. It's just amazing. Yeah, and it does. It really deeply impacts him being the last person to see her and and the guilt he feels for that just haunts him through the rest of his life. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's hard not to put yourself in that situation and think, what if? You yeah, know, what like, would what I do? If? What would happen? Yeah. Just hearing the calls of her name over and over and like can't get them out of his head. And Oh my gosh. Where did this novel come from? Good question. This novel, actually, I always say this is the book that I didn't want to write, which is kind of funny. Uh, When I started writing seriously, my dad, who is Mi'kmaq, he said to me, you should write about us berry pickers. You should write about us berry pickers. I said, no, dad, I don't write nonfiction. I write fiction. I make things up. Mm -hmm. He kept at me and he kept at me and I kept saying no. And finally, he took me on a road trip to Maine, the two of us. And he showed me everywhere where they used to pick berries uh, in Maine. He told me how it was done. He told me all these amazing stories on our three days down there. And the first line of chapter one just came to me down there. And I think for the next couple of years, the story just kind of revealed itself. I'll read the first line. You probably know what it is. The day Ruthie went missing, the black flies seemed to be especially hungry. Yeah, that came to me there. I think I must have like had black flies around me or something. And (laughs) I don't know where it came from, but yeah, I just said, okay, maybe this is a story I meant to write. Yeah, so thank you, dad. This makes me think I should do a whole podcast where I just read the first sentences of different books. Oh, that'd be very cool. (laughs) Wouldn't that be really interesting? Or an article or something? Because it really, it's so important. It sets the tone. It sets, I mean, your sentence, for example, like specific setting, you know, like so many things can be conveyed in such short words. Why? Why did Ruthie go missing? Like, this is such a good example of interest and intrigue. A lot of, a lot of people have said, you give the story away in the first line of the first chapter, basically. And then they say, but it's still a good story. So (laughs) (laughs) I say, thank you. I guess. (laughs) Wow, that's such a, an amazing experience you had with your dad. Yeah. And I feel like you can you can tell, I mean, so many details are in the book, obviously, of what it feels like to be doing all of it, even the drive and the, you know, mm. so now it makes sense. Yeah, and the entire time we were driving down, we were on what, the Trans-Canada until we got to Route 9, obviously. And my dad was saying, well, we used to take the old road and we'd stop at the river and have a swim. And and he just told me everything the entire way down. So it was just so, so lovely. Yeah. And I, I'm so grateful to those stories. What does he think of the book? 
He loves it. He read it and he loved it. Yeah. And he's, he's keeps saying, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. So Aww. what's more, right? <laughs> what do you want more than your mom and dad to be proud of you? So that's amazing. Why did you not want to write this book? I just thought he wanted me to write stories about like the actual berry pickers. And I was like, oh, I have to write fiction. I write fiction. I don't write nonfiction. And I just couldn't see what kind of story I would write because I wasn't familiar. And I think it just took that, that mm. going down to Maine and seeing the fields and dad telling me stories. And I could kind of picture like my grandfather there and my grandmother, I could picture everybody doing their thing. And yeah. So I think that just gave me the the kick. Was your dad's whole family berry pickers? They were. Yeah. Did they come down the whole family, the way this family did the whole thing? Yeah. Except for there was 14 children, not uh, five. So no. <laughs> I don't know if all of them came all the time because that would have been a trick for my grandparents, but yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm, yeah. My dad's 10 of 14. <laughs> how many is your mom part of? Like how many siblings does she have? My mom is five of six. Oh my goodness. You must have yes. crazy family reunions. That's yes, wild. We have a lot of, <laughs> I have a lot of cousins. I say, I don't even know how many, <laughs> but your mom is not indigenous. No, okay. no, that's a, I always say I'm a Mi'kmaq and settler because my mom is not indigenous and my dad is um, from Blue's Cat First Nation. I'm also a member of Blue's Cat First Nation. How did they meet? They met in high school. They were high school sweethearts. Aww, <laughs> yeah. So it, 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 uh, it didn't last very long, but I have a lovely stepmother who's been my stepmother for the vast majority of my life, who is also very proud of me. So it made me very happy. So Aww. having well, three loving parents. Hey, I have step parents, step grandparents, step in laws, you know, step. Yeah. I'm married again. I don't know. We're all about the stuff. <laughs> Actually, all about the steps. That could be a funny title, there, too. There you go. <laughs> Something with like exercise and step parenting and whatever. I, st- I have to stop. <laughs> Okay. So you got the idea for the book. You felt immersed in it. You saw the whole thing. And then tell me about what happened next and the process and how you just went about writing it and how long it took and where you wrote it. And just let us see that whole thing. (laughs) I actually wrote the first chapter kind of as a short story. I thought it would be a short story. So I worked on it for like two years thinking it was going to be a short story. So the first chapter took me two years. (laughs) And people kept saying, I feel like this is more, there's more to this. It's a novel, people who had read it. And I was like, Okay, maybe it is, maybe it is. So when I decided it was going to be a novel, I then wrote the next six chapters as part of my work at the Institute for American Indian Arts in New Mexico. I did my Master of Fine Arts there in creative writing. So I did those as my creative work there and submitted them and they were workshopped. And then it sold to HarperCollins here in Canada. And then I was given three months to write the last eight chapters. (laughs) (laughs) So it took like three years and then three months to write the last half of it. But yeah, I was very, very pleased. I knew where it was going. So it wasn't as much a challenge as if I didn't know where it was going. It was just a matter of having a deadline set so that I could just get it out of my head and onto the page. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah it took me <laughs> four years total to write the book and so many people helped. Like the faculty at the IAIA are just remarkable and my classmates and just my editor here, editors in the States, just so many people, my agent, Marilyn, everybody just, just so so loving and helpful with this book. And I just, there's so many things I can't even imagine trying to list them. (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because... Even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Before you got your MFA and all of that, is this what you wanted to be when you were a little kid? Like where was your life headed and like where were you living and just paint me a picture? Yeah, I've always wanted to be a writer since I was little. Uh, I used to write these little books for my grandfather and my grandmother would knit them together with yarn and... I didn't know that. I didn't remember that until she pulled them out of a drawer when I was like 22 and showed them to me. But yeah, I've always wanted to write, but people tell you writers don't make any money, right? So I wanted to live a good life. I wanted to have my own home, that kind of thing, what you're mm-hmm. supposed to do. Yeah. So I went to school and I, I worked for years in Indigenous governance and financial mm-hmm. management and health policy here in Canada. And when I was got my footing, so to say, I decided to take some creative writing classes because now I'm ready. And that was in 2012. And I ended up taking one class. I loved it so much. I did the entire certificate in creative writing at University of Toronto Continuing Studies. And then I wanted to do more. I was just like, oh, I, I just like had this appetite to learn and to write and to be amongst writers. And so then I I applied to the IAIA and I got in. So yeah, I've been, I've been very lucky, very lucky. That's amazing. What a great story. Mm-hmm. Do you have ideas for your next project? So my next project is actually my short story collection, which comes out next spring. So oh, so fast. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that actually was written before the the Berry Pickers was written. So it's just been sitting there for a while and, and mellowing. And so I'm working on editing that now. So hopefully that'll be out next spring. And I do have another manuscript. It's sitting right here where you can't see it, just looking at me. But I don't like to talk about it because I'm afraid the story will go away. So I'm just kind of <laughs> keeping, I tried to start another book and I told people about it and I was excited and the story kind of just disappeared, evaporated hmm. out of my head. So I said, no, I'm not telling anybody until this one is down on paper. So I'm just going to keep it under wraps. <laughs> awesome. 
it's really intimidating because this book is getting a lot of attention. So I'm like, oh, can I write another book like that? I don't know. <laughs> sure, you can. <laughs> you can just go through all the different fruits. Yeah. You know, we could line them up by season. <laughs> all the different people who work to bring us all of the fruit. And then like you could give fruit baskets out with like a collection of your books and it could be like a whole thing. That is very cool. <laughs> <laughs> you run out of ideas. You know? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What is your short story collection called? It's called Waiting for the Long Night Moon. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's a short story I wrote. And it actually won the uh, 2021 Indigenous Voices Award for unpublished prose up here in Canada. So we decided to name the the story collection that. And it's kind of a nice title. I don't know. It seems to evoke something. I can like picture it sort of a cover. I don't know. Yeah. Do you yeah. have a cover yet? Not yet. They're working on it here at HarperCollins. So we'll see. Do you need a c- consultant? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I yeah, should really offer sense. that. I'm like obsessed with cover design. I, you know, I'm obsessed. It's like my favorite part of publishing books. It's like, ooh, covers. They are nice. I, it's, I just bought, recently bought one based on its cover, the book Wayward. Wayward. Yeah. And I just bought it because I was like, what a spectacular cover. And I bought it and it was a good book. So. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least if it's a good cover, you know, people care enough to make a good cover. Mm, true. You know, not that it has, you know, they say no, don't judge a book on its cover, but maybe, you, I mean, you don't totally. I know that's this book I read recently, not to be rude about it, but like has the worst cover, but it's like the best book. And I kind of want to tell the author, like, can I just like redesign the cover or find, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like you would find a whole different audience if it just had a slightly different look and feel. But anyway, it's none of my business. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> right. But I do love thinking about it. So what do you do when you're not writing novels and worrying they might jump out of your brains again? And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to put it, jumping out of my brain. I'm actually associate professor in the Department of English and Theater at Acadia oh. University here in the Annapolis Valley, Nova Scotia. So yeah. I just started that job. So it's it's really fun. I get to talk about reading and writing and I get to read and write. So amazing. It's the dream to be, to be honest, (laughs) it's the dream. Wow. So which reader are you most excited to read your book? Like if this type of person could like read the book or you could get a letter or like, who do you want to feel deeply? That's, that's interesting because I get about one or two emails a week from readers who just tell me that they love the story. And I I, I just love getting those. They're so like, they're so touching. And I got one from a Mi'kmaq woman from Eskasoni, which is a First Nations community here who I don't know. And she just said she could picture her childhood and she just loved the story and she could just feel it. And that kind of meant a lot to me that that's, um, some members of the Mi'kmaq community are really embracing the story because it is part of our history and mm-hmm. part of our story. Because now I have lots of people who are coming to me and saying, let me tell you about my stories from the berry fields. Let me tell you about my stories from the berry fields, which is so interesting because we're natural storytellers. So getting to hear those stories from them is really exciting. But when I wrote the book, it was just, I wanted my mom and my dad to be proud, I guess. But I just want people to say, when they close it, I want them to say, that was a really good story. Mm-hmm. Kind of, right? Um, it does have some pretty serious themes in it. But at the end, I think what every writer wants is people just to think that they wrote a really good story. That's amazing. I love that answer. That's so good. How do you write a really good story? 
Like what advice would you give and as a teacher and everything as well? Just keep going. Like I never thought I would write a book. Some of my early stuff. Oh, you do not want to see that. (laughs) It is really bad, right? But I never thought I would write a book. And I was like, you know what? I don't care if it gets published. I just want to have the satisfaction that I wrote a story and that I can finish it. And I worked at it and I worked at it and I worked at it and I worked at it. So I say, and let people read it. Let people help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are just so they keep it really tight to their chest. And I'm like, there's so many people out there who are willing to offer really good advice and help you. So take advantage of the, of that. Cause there's, there's a lot of generous people. I've been very fortunate to be mentored by some really remarkable writers. So just uh, take advantage of that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should put something on your website or something called stories from the berry fields and have the people who are telling you all these stories and they like contribute and then we can read the stories. That is a brilliant idea. I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> right? Because I would be interested in having read the book. Like, what what was it like? You know, I'd want to hear more. Even from your yeah. dad, you could have him start. Yeah, that's true. I could get him. He has lots of stories. There's lots of stories. There's ghost stories. There's funny stories. There's sad stories. There's a little bit of violence, of course. But overall, it's a lot of stories about family and laughing and sitting around the fire and hard work because it is hard work, backbreaking work, some would say. And Mi'kmaq people still go down. They take vacation and go down to Maine to rake berries in the summer (laughs) just to keep the tradition alive. And I'm like, oh, I'm too lazy for that. I want a cup of tea and a book. (laughs) And then we just like pop a blueberry in our mouth and don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. We do that with a lot of things, don't we? Yeah. I know, but it's like everything should be so cherished. Like, where did this come from? And how did we get this? And who contributed to it? And it's not just sitting here in the grocery or whatever. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. All the the people behind every every item. Not to get all deep about this, but <laughs> but, it, but it's true. It's really important. Um, there was some prize you won or something I wanted to ask you about. The Writers Trust Rising Stars program. What is that? So um, they take five established writers in Canada and they ask them if they know of any writers who are just starting their careers who who could benefit from exposure and mentorship. So Katerina Vermette, who is a Métis writer, award-winning Métis writer here from Canada, chose my work. Um, in 2021. So yeah, it was really exciting. It was during the pandemic. So there's a, it was a little bit interesting how they did it through Zoom and everything. But yeah, so we got awarded a little bit of money to help us take some time off to write work. We got mentorship from the person who chose us. We got national exposure. And funny enough, um, this morning, the Writers Trust Fiction Award finalists were announced and I'm on that list this year. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. (laughs) Yay. Amazing. and this morning, also Burns and Noble Discovery Prize finalist was announced this morning, and I'm on that list. So Stop. It's been a very good day for me. It's not even. Oh like, my yeah. gosh. I'm sorry if I missed that. I should have, like, <laughs> ch- did you post? I'm so sorry. No. Well, well, I'm glad I asked that question and I feel like a moron. But anyway, congratulations. Totally. Yeah, it's just kind of like full circle. I was chosen for the Rising Trust, and then uh, now I'm shortlisted for the, uh, the Atwood Gibson Award for the Writers Trust. So, and Katarina Vermette, my mentor, she sent me a text this morning. She said, woohoo. Oh, so what a special day. Yeah, it's a very good day. I'm all smiles. Oh, that's so great. Well, thanks for sharing a moment of this of this important day and spreading the joy. And it's totally well deserved. I'm not surprised at all. And congratulations. 
Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, Amanda, thank you for chatting today. Thanks for talking about the berry pickers. Thanks for the great story that made me feel and definitely thought was a great story. So mission accomplished. And um, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Congrats on all the accolades. Thank you. Okay. Take care. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 